Dr. Ray Smith is Associate Professor of Missions in the Undergraduate Theology Department at Oregon, where he directs the Master of Arts Missions Program. He's a experienced missionary uh, with his wife Cindy to Italy and the Philippines, continues to conduct seminars dealing with pastoral leadership, evangelism, and discipleship, youth ministry, church growth and planting, and cross-cultural missional development in the United States, Europe, and Asia. And uh, Ray uh, has been a great partner with Gordon in the uh, work in Grovery. Uh, exactly the name of that, Gordon, again, the... Benitez Seminary and the Bible Institute. The Bible Institute, the Benitez Seminary. Ray, you are with friends. I, I know that uh, TCF is home to you from years ago, so please come. We love you. We welcome you. We're also so thrilled that Paul and uh, Corinne are part of our fellowship, and we are so proud of them. And uh, Ray, Peter immediately, certainly typecasting for me, 
speaking before he thinks, this will never happen to you, God forbid. And in the denunciation, unlike anything else he ever said to his disciples, get thee behind me, Satan, for you are thinking on the interest of things of men, not the things of God. It would appear that we are completely and totally in the mercy of God and dependent upon his revelation and self-disclosure, for we know nothing. We have the word to read that we know full well that people have made incredible studies, memorizing from cover to cover, and yet never meeting the Master. Jesus said, you search the scriptures daily, for therein you think you can have eternal life, but they speak of me. I imagine, as in every TCF Missions Conference, there has been a great deal of speaking about him, his purpose, his desire, our commission to participate in a way that no one could ever have expected, anticipated. We have all heard the phrase, you can't make this stuff up. And in this case, the truth is, stranger than fiction. How could those who were the hostile enemies of God be brought near to Him through the shed blood of Christ? An unthinkable possibility and then be given the highest of all privileges to take those very words of life, traverse the earth, east, west, north, south, as far as humankind is found to every corner of the globe and then communicate that Jesus loved you. I can't imagine what it would have been like to hear those words that we refer to as the Great Commission. Matthew 28, 18 through 20. We know that there are four other passages of Scripture, one in each Gospel and Acts, that we could create a composite Great Commission. And as we look at that, we understand that Every one of the Gospels in the book of Acts culminates with this understanding that Jesus said, I have not done this just for a momentary experiment in the nation of Egypt. Egypt, excuse me. Israel. Kind of feel like Egypt right now. But it's for all nations. Leaving none out. It's for all nations. Not only Israel. Having made his one foray outside into Samaria in John chapter 4, we have great memory of the fact that here is a woman that gives us our best cross-cultural example of ministry across gender lines, racial lines, ethnic lines, religious lines, bigotry lines. He eliminates every possibility for us having right to disqualify anybody. I often tell my students that if you don't love people in North Tulsa, you will not love them in North India. Mm -hmm. If you can't put up with them in East St. Louis, East Africa is not on the docket. If you can't stand it at the south side of Chicago, South America offers you no possibilities. And if you can't stand the Hicks of West Virginia, 
might as well say on the west side of London. I asked, uh, give me the, uh, Cindy, would you bring me the, the wrench you have in your purse? <laughs> Heather, you have a, perhaps a slide rule. Uh, where is your wife, who certainly Gordon has, if you will, the, uh, what is it? Oh, the, the, the flashlight, the screwdrivers, and the hammers. <laughs> yes, right there. She's not putting her hand up because she doesn't have those things. Of course, being married to Gordon now, <laughs> I've learned that Gordon travels with a small, either Walmart or Home Depot, yes. and every place he goes, there is this collection of stuff left behind. I'm thinking, Build a small town with this stuff. Maybe you a small pharmacy, a bookstore. And Gordon insists that he needs every bit of it. Well, I want to tell you that I am incredibly thankful and incredibly appreciative of Gordon Wright, his friendship uh, as a brother, as a, as a colleague, as a fellow minister of the gospel, and as one who would invite me to go along into Russia. Russian territory. Someday he promised me, we're going to go to Russia this time to change. Every time we've been going to Russia, it's just a three-hour train ride. It's just a plane ride. And then something comes up at the last minute. I have to admit, or just incredible flexible, because he's always had something come up at the last minute. Usually it's Don Vance having to do something. But that's okay. When you come to a place like TCF, you see a lot of people that you've known for some time. Men and women who have proven themselves in the service of the Lord. Young ones, my son and his wife are here, and we are thrilled. Uh, she couldn't bear coming to listen to me again after years, but she stayed home today to uh, do something. But uh, I, what can you possibly add to what God has said, what God has done? Yet what was it like for those men who heard this commission? People today hear the Great Commission, it seems to have no effect on them. But the Great Commission for the disciples had been preceded by the Great Commandment. The lawyer came and said, what is the Great Commandment? What must I do to, you know, to inherit eternal life? The Jews believed you could do one great significant thing and it would be ensured. Jesus said, keep the commandments. I've done this since my youth. Jesus didn't tell the man he was a liar. Perhaps the man thought he had. Perhaps he thought adherence to the law was sufficient. What else could they have thought? Nicodemus came telling Jesus that we know you are a teacher come from God. For no man can do what you do except God be with him. We know. We, obviously we have talked. We have some standard of measure. We have talked it up. We have discussed it. We know that you are different. People would recognize that he did not teach as the Pharisees or the scribes, but one who had authority. Authority to do what? To change people. To make a difference. That when he left, they were not the same as when he came. Which is the essence of the Great Commission. To go throughout the earth and leave people differently, having heard of, having met, having encountered the miracle working power of the Holy Spirit that comes and accompanies the name of Jesus. It does not be proclaimed just so people can have information. But you know all that. How many missions conferences have you had here? Mm -hmm. 377? Mm -hmm. 1206? <laughs> Who knows? But you've heard it. What did you hear Friday night with the worship? 
and the initial speaker. This is not new stuff. And yet we're amazed that only one out of ten persons who work on the field are working among those who are unreached. Less than one cent of every dollar goes to really work and prepare and to provide for missions work among those who have never heard. Out of the 16,600 people groups, 7,000 are yet only slightly, smidgen, as my grandmother would say, a smidgen touched or unreached altogether. Hundreds of languages. India has 1,600 major languages itself. 4,300 people groups. Oh, by some estimation, maybe only 2,699, maybe 2,599, but 2,356 have not yet heard the gospel. Oswald Smith, the great missionary statesman, said, no man has a right to hear the gospel twice until every man has had a chance to hear it once. I cannot tell you how many times I heard about it until I heard it. Years and years and years of those who yet remain in darkness. How much does it cost to send the gospel around the world? I have a son who's involved in finance and banking, and he was talking about the average home loan in America is $250,000. I love one woman. I, I don't drink, I don't steal, I don't smoke, but I'm hopelessly addicted and forever in bondage to find automobiles that go fast. <laughs> but you could spend eighty dollars to $150,000, some five to six million dollars worth of stuff to sit on the driveway most of the time, no matter what you do with it, I purpose not to leave an expensive car to the Antichrist. <laughs> I'm going to drive the worst piece of junk that I can and say, this is all I'm leaving for you because we sent the rest of it to Africa. Mm -hmm. Only, by the way, I'm not going to be in the African contingent, I guess. <laughs> Although it would be great for people who have learning disabilities because we say the same thing over and over. <laughs> it's been way too fast for old people to hear. Maybe without the year, I'm going to be with the Italians, thank you, Jesus. <laughs> Gordon will be with everybody because he doesn't know where he belongs. <laughs> and so we hear this all authority. Yeah. All for what? If it's all authority, what cannot yield to it? When we live our days here in Tulsa, Smith also said, if you cannot go, you are obligated to sin. If I can't go to China, then I must go out of this building with the mentality that everyone is susceptible to the power of the Holy Spirit within me. And so the man said, I've done all this since I was a youth. And Jesus said, oh great, then you have two things. Love God with everything you are. And everything you have. And love your neighbor as yourself. Okay, who is my neighbor? And so we have the Good Samaritan. Oh, there were reasons why the priest couldn't touch someone he thought was dead. But he didn't even check. And all the other people that sat together. And the person who was disqualified from coming to the temple in Jerusalem went over and found the man not dead, cleaned him, took him to the, uh, the inn owner and said, take care of him, here's the money. We know the story. The only question is, who is my neighbor? The only real question is, who isn't? 
I touch? And if I am not willing to touch and love here, something happens to me when I get on the airplane. Oh, I get jet lag. I get a ticket. $1,000. I get a visa. I get all this stuff. I lose all the luggage and I could not live without. And I'm forced to buy clothes in the market for double the price that I should because I can't haggle. But when I get through dressing like that, people think I might be one of them. Unless, of course, you're blood red and you get sunburned in a dark room, then people can tell you probably not African. <laughs> Everyone. Make disciples the only imperative in the Greek. And I know you have at least a couple of outstanding scholars that have made that aware to you over the years. One is sitting right back there. I hope you realize, as a congregation, what God did early on for this body to put that man in this group of people. You are worthy. Not of all the honor, but you are worthy of honor, my brother. May every generation have such a man. Every congregation have such a man. You need at least one gym. <laughs> No more than one Gordon. <laughs> you gotta have a Gordon. Because <laughs> Gordon moves all the great places to eat. <laughs> you have to walk 20 miles, but you get the. And so they understood when Jesus said, and you with your neighbor must treat him with compassion. He says, because I desire compassion, not sacrifice. So the great commandment leads us to the great compassion, which then must result in the fulfillment of the great commission. For if I do not love God, and I do not love man, why do I go? We do not go because there is great need, and people are dying and going to hell. We go because we're sent. We understand that. It's not that we're devoid of the love of God and love of man, but the compassion or the compulsion for us is because he said to go do it. Because if you've done any of it, ministry here or anywhere, human emotion, natural affection, human impetus will run out quickly. You draw on yourself, you draw to a very shallow well. Mm -hmm. It requires a full-blown commitment that I am Christ. Christ possesses there. It is he who guides, he who sends, he who sustains. And he said, stay until you are in you with power from on high. So that you don't think you're doing this on your own, of your own. If it's from him and for him, by him, it has to be completely of him or we falter quickly. I am convinced that when we stand before the throne and see all these people. I, I thought for the first time today after being in this business for 40 years, oh, I always thought they'd be over here in their little groups. Heather may have convinced me that it's all like hash. We're all just mixed everywhere. Maybe that's one reason we can't number them. But I think God has another idea with that. When Jesus talked about forgiveness, he said, you need to forgive how many times? Seven times 
seven, rabbinical teaching. No, seventy times seven. Their immediate disagreement with that was, how can we keep count? <laughs> the very point. If there are so many people before the throne, how can we keep count when we've done enough? We can't. We keep going. What does that mean? We go to prayer. The Moravians got an idea and pray 24 hours a day for a hundred years and it yet has incredible fruit in one of eight of the Moravians invest themselves in full-time missionary service. We can get people together for praise and worship. Nothing wrong with that. But try to get them together for prayer. Sustained prayer. I love what Joel had to say. Sign up. It's an indication of intentionality. Mm -hmm. And something about human beings is once I put my name on the line, I'm going to have to pay for that Mustang. Mm -hmm. I'm going to have to pay for that big screen. I'm going to have to pay for that microwave. I'm going to have to pay for that tuition. Where is my son? <laughs> I'm going to have to show up for prayer because I said I would. I have said I would so many times, but in an act of selfless convenience, I found another way to come up with another thing and do prayer at another time. May God forgive us for that. John Hyde talked about praying. He said, pray and help us. We are trying to learn the language. He struggled. He had absolutely no linguistic ability. So he went, gave himself to study of the word even more and to pray for and encourage missionaries. He was so stressed that when he went to the doctor, they said, your heart has been moved from the left side, clear over to the right side of your body. You are going to live about six months if you don't come away from this incredibly obsessed, incessant prayer and travail. He cheated death for two years. And he went to his death and prayed, man. Mm -hmm. But he wasn't satisfied with one person a day. He went to four and in the devil and revivals of the Punjab were incredible. There are people today in the lineage of the ministry of the sacrifice of prayer that God used John Hyde to accomplish and he is raising up people in every congregation that will hear his voice. I am not capable of going. Oswald Smith could not go. He tried several times. His health was deplorable. He finally came back to Canada and said, I will just be in this church and I will just preach missions. He went to the church accountant and he said, what is our ratio of ministry money to foreign mission money? And he said, well, currently, uh, uh, Reverend Smith, uh, it's, uh, it's one here and six there. And he said, if it ever changes, one iota, notify me immediately, you will have my resignation. Six to one? Is that even realistic? He left the legacy. The only legacy we can live is in people. Who do we leave behind? Yesterday I was 18. <laughs> Today I am 64. Tomorrow there will be a memory. I hope not tomorrow, tomorrow, maybe. <laughs> but that alone is a decision in another hand. 
will be the legacy. I show my students a PowerPoint of a picture of someone and they have no idea. Then I show Iwo Jima. Mm -hmm. I show the picture of a man they don't know. Then I show the girl <coughs> in Afghanistan and then years later. I show the picture of a man, a Jewish photographer, and no one knows him. Then I show the picture of a sailor kissing a young lady mm -hmm. in the streets of New York. Most of you are way too young for that. Yeah. I mean, I kissed a girl in New York City, I believe. I'm quickly remembered. That's a uh, I showed the picture of a young man from Connecticut or New Jersey. They don't know who he is, and they show the picture of the three firemen raising the flag. What will they remember us? All of us is the body of Christ. And now I must ask, what will they remember of you? What will be the legacy? It will not be people in the street that will know it. It will be the young ones upstairs and the young ones in the arms that will remember. I know what our fathers and our mothers in the faith left us. A commitment that we should go to Jerusalem where all the real heavy duty, the end, the elite people live. And then into Judea, out in the countryside with the Hicks, the West Virginians. Pray for Gordon, he's going to Ohio. <laughs> You're from West Virginia, you know how bad that is. That's where bad people go in West Virginia, they spend eternity in Ohio. <laughs> we, we get a lot of converts preaching that in West Virginia. <laughs> They will want to know. How did we have such forefathers? How did we have such intercessors? How did we have such givers? Giving is not about how little you can give. Giving is about how much you can't stand to keep. Mm -hmm. My dad said, don't marry the woman you can live with. Oh, 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 no, no, no. Marry the one you cannot live without. And for 40 years this August 12, I will approve my daddy right. I pray that every man in his place married the most wonderful woman that ever drew breath. I have loved to Mrs. Smith. Well, now I love her much more with her, my daughter's one. But I only married one. That is the love of Christ for his bride. And he wants the bride to be as big as possible. What can someone who teaches mission students come and tell TCF about missions? Statistics? Quoting Van Riemann, Esselgrave, Whiteman, Hebert? You have people who have read those books. You've read perspectives. You've probably got it memorized. I'm a man. That's not a but you have lived it. You've been on the field. You've touched it. You have Jesus in ministries. The day has changed where that phase of ministry, as I understand it, has morphed into something else by the hand of God. But if you have been left here to this point, there is absolutely no possibility that in the missionary enterprise you are unemployed. 
And then he said, Samaria. Perhaps they remembered what became John 4, the woman at the well. Perhaps they thought about that when he said, look, don't say three, four months to harvest. The harvest is ready now.
left over. Now, maybe that was baskets full. I don't know where they would have baskets. Maybe it was one for each of the disciples. One of my students said, well, they gave it all that little boy to take home. And I'm thinking, think about that. He had five loaves of food. How is he going to carry 12 baskets of bread? Anyway. But if there's enough left over after giving all that we had, who would enough left over be for? And if we give five loaves and two fishes, and we have 12 baskets left over, it boggles the mind to think what we might have left over if we give 12 baskets full. Of my time, my prayer, my love, my encouragement, I often say that it's essential that if I'm going to proclaim the good news, I need to be a living example of its effectiveness. Not perfection, but it's perfected. It's changing of a life, which never stops. The giving of a life, which never ceases. The yielding of a life, which must be how I live. People talk about a prayer life. I think they just mean a hobby. But Wigglesworth said, never prayed more than 15 minutes, never went longer than 15 minutes without praying. Sounds good to me. But if we do 10, 5, 2, pick whatever works for you. Do it as a way of life. Pick a missionary and say, this month we're praying for them. What can I do to change the life and the effectiveness of this missionary? You show me. You help me. If I can write to them where they are, let me write to them. I remember one person sent somebody a pink washcloth from home. And it overwhelmed them. They broke and wept. Who would think of me to send me a pink washcloth? Because they were known to be had in that place. A word of knowledge. And if God has not called you to go and stay, go and encourage. Don't grow and condemn. Don't grow and judge. You're not there. I mean, we're disqualified for that. Well, they to be redeemed. But go someplace and just be a word of encouragement. Just see what they go through. See the struggle. See the challenge. See the condition. How many said they wanted to go to Deborah and Ben? Somebody had to raise their hands. Only one person. And oh, two people. Do I have three? Give me three. Three and a half, four, four, right here. Take somebody. Who was the first person you ever took with you, Corey? What's he doing now? Supporting the whole thing. What's his job? He's an insurance man. Has he continued to sell insurance? But has his participation increased? Who took him before you did? Was, you, was he was the first time in his life with you? How long ago was that? Thirty-five years. Thirty-five years? Oh no, it's about 10, 12, 15 years ago. Yeah, 12, 15. The auctioneer spirit coming out. Can someone give me 17, 18, 19? <laughs> Look what has happened. An insurance salesman who did not have an idea to sell everything and move to the ends of the earth. It might be a nurse who's running the bus because she's afraid to fly.
to say one last thing and then I am finished. How long should we go? How long do I think? Keep going. I'm going to ask you just one more thing. When this is held next year, how will you be different mm. in your engagement of the Great Commission? How can God help you make advances in the next year that you could never have thought possible? If God trusts you with all your time, all your resources, all your decisions, what can we offer as a gesture of trust in Him for our money, for our prayer, for our going? There will come a time when I will have no more time. <laughs> there will come a time if Jesus tarries when everybody in this room will be replaced with newbies. Some of those newbies are in arms. Some of those newbies are upstairs. Who will be the next Gordon? The next Bill? The next Jim? Who are you raising in the faith to see and understand the passion that you have for the things of God in your capacity to serve and you're putting your arms around them and praying for them and saying, I want to show you how to do what I do because I will not be here forever. Jesus took these men. They had no idea what was coming. They had no idea what their purpose was. They just knew this captivating individual said, follow me, and they did. We know there was at least 14 because after Judas died, they had to decide who would replace him. And they said, it has to be someone who's been with us from the beginning that has witnessed everything. So there was at least 14 and all that stuff, even though 12 was not mentioned. Who were those people? that never had their name mentioned, but in a moment of time were thrust into a place of service because they had been with people who were doing it. Who are you training? Who are you giving yourself to? May I ask you, what is your name? Yes, the piano player back there. Larry. Who taught you to play piano? Hmm. What is her, her or his name? This is when? That sounds like me, honestly. Who taught them? That lady. You don't have any idea? And yet you are feeling and demonstrating the influence of that person who took the time to decide one another. Is that possible? Who is that nobody? He says, teach these things that you've heard in the presence of faithful men. Teach these to men and then who will teach others. Who were those others? We are those others. Mm. Who are we discipling with us to take our place in the doing of the Great Commission by my role, by yours? If we don't do this with intentionality, it will not get done. And eventually, there will be no one here to have a TCF Christian conference. This may surprise you. But my concluding remarks are this that this TCM mission conference is not about missions out there. It's about you here responding, determining, initiating. People can come with all kinds of statistics, all kinds of charts, all kinds of information. And if you can ever find it anywhere, 
God knows you can find it here, which must be in the Tulsa chapter of the U.S. Center for World Missions, the 82,000 women and beyond, and the Luzon Conference. I know of no other place in this city that has such, if you will, an amalgam of all this stuff. Science has got nothing to do with it. Influence is what it's all about. How is it that my son ends up here? Well, he was supposed to go back to Italy and work with Maurizio Secondi, a dear friend of ours, the greatest worship leader I've ever known. Truly, if he picks up a guitar or a piano, the rocks cry out. He has an English church, English-speaking church in Florence, or Venice, Florencia, Italia, because there are 20 to 30,000 English-speaking students that come to Florence every year, mm. and there is no charismatic witness to them. So he started one, and it's flourishing. He was supposed to go there after graduation. We prayed and prayed and prayed, and he was invited to come, except this mousy little thing with long hair. He wanted to learn every language that was ever spoken by anybody east of Mississippi. Uh, perplexed him. Perplexed him, and they got married, and now they're here. What are you doing with my son? <laughs> Not why are you doing it? What are you doing with my son? Mm. Not only will you answer to God, you will answer to me. <laughs> and I don't say that in jest. He has no idea what his future is. He has not seen the end of the book. Corinne doesn't know. All they know is they're madly in love with each other, and I am thrilled that she loves my son. But I want to know, do you love my son? What are you doing with my son? He's the child of my old age, my last hope for a daughter. So I get a daughter in law. It's all right. I have grandsons. We have to marry women to get them into our families. What are you doing with him? Are you discipling him in the Great Commission? Or do you only want his tithe money? Do you only want his attendance in the small group and on Sunday morning? Shame on you. Unless you are intentional in taking that home that God has placed here and making it a great commission witness. Remember, God and I are watching. But how many other mothers and fathers have children here of different ages? These people gave their children away and became Thorpe, though. Now there's tens of thousands of Thorpes. There's almost more than Smiths. Who's next? Who is your next generation to raise as missionaries? To send to the uttermost parts of the earth. I have 37 pages here I was going to read. <laughs> but I will finish with this one and I bear you grant me literary license to modify this as I go written by what I consider to be the greatest poet 
ever born and raised and served in this nation. Whose woods these are, I think I know. His house is in the village, though. He will not see me stopping here to watch his woods fill up with snow. My little horse was thinking queer to stop without a farmhouse near. Between the woods and frozen lake, the darkest evening of the year. He gives his harness bells a shake to ask if there is some mistake. The only other sounds the sweep of easy wind and downy flight. The woods are lovely, dark and deep. Life is so wonderful if you have all you need. A loving church, wonderful worship, gifted and faithful, trustworthy leadership. But I have promises to keep. Thank you. 